good morning and welcome to another episode of Standing Outside the Fire. My name's Matt and a good morning to you all. Well, at least it's a good morning for me here. Well, after the first episode, uh, I have to tell you I got some really, really positive feedback, which is is good. Um, it means, A, that you all are all listening, or some of you are listening, and I guess you're all listening. Anyway, um, means you're, I've got listeners, which is good. And having listeners is important, not for my ego, as I've said before, but really so that we can get the message out. And I do mean we. Uh, hopefully some of what you're going to hear uh, in this room is things that you can take to other people. In any case, the other thing I also got was some snarky responses, which were bound to happen in the world that I live in, both with a family, both near and far, that speak uh, sarcasm as their first language, and a first responder community that does not know how to communicate other than by ball busting and you know busting chops and so forth. So that was to be expected. Although I do want to tell you that the individuals who threw out the you have a great face for radio man comment uh, on face page and elsewhere, I did beat you to it. I believe I was the first one to throw that out. So Nice try there. But anyway, to be expected, good good things though. Uh, really positive results. Uh, as you may or may not know, depending on what format you're listening on, we are now on Spotify and on iTunes, which is pretty cool actually. So I'm pretty excited about that. Anyway, uh, what are we going to talk about today? I think today I'd like to talk about perspective and the importance of perspective in our daily lives and the fact that perspectives are something that are causing many of our issues, problems, concerns in our country today and and most likely the world, but I'll stick with the U.S. um, just because I'm most familiar with it. As a side note, uh, I did, I'm able to look at where people are downloading the podcast. Um, we are international. I'm happy to report, even after our first episode, uh, we did have a couple downloads in the Sydney, Australia area. So a shout out to my Sydney friends. And full disclosure, I spent a year down in Sydney. So those are some of my friends who are checking us out, which is really cool either way. But we're going to go with international uh, because that's a factual statement and uh, we're going to run with it. So welcome. As we talk about perspective, the one thing that came to mind last night. I was driving to go get ice cream, as you do in old winter Wyoming weather. But I was thinking about driving down the road and looking out the windshield and or windscreen if you're in Australia, having that be your view. And meanwhile, you have your rear view mirrors. And ordinarily, people aren't looking both out the front and at the mirrors at the same time. In fact, that's impossible. Many people that I drive around don't ever use their mirrors at all, I'm convinced. But think about this. You have four different perspectives that are able to provide you information all at one time. Four. That's not counting looking out the side windows or so forth, but we're gonna we're gonna keep it keep it similar. Now if you look at the three rear view mirrors, right? You get similar perspectives. They're just a little bit different. And those of you who've hauled trailers or, you know, do any towing, you know, boats or whatnot, you realize those those three different perspectives are, are very helpful. And in some cases, the, the main rearview mirror doesn't show you anything. And the side mirrors become more important because your, your cargo has blocked your view out the back. But those perspectives are available to us all the time. 
It's just a matter of whether or not we use them. And so I think that that is a great corollary for, for life in that we can look at a whole host of perspectives. Uh, they're available to us all the time, but we don't necessarily use them. And I think today we'll look at why that is and maybe how that affects who we are. Okay, so we've established that we have a number of different perspectives available to us, but let's look at where we get our own perspective. I would submit that the majority of our perspectives come from the experiences we've had. Now, if you go back to childhood, most of your experiences are shaped and to some extent dictated by your parents. And so I think we carry a lot of our perspectives from for better or for worse, from our parents and our childhood growing up. Now, those who have experienced childhood traumas typically have to deal with those one way or the other through the remainder of their life. PTSD, although PTSD is now in the news a bunch, especially with military and their abysmal suicide rates, which is a whole other topic in and of itself. But um, PTSD has to be diagnosed by a doctor. Um, it is not something you can diagnose yourself. Many people who have been in combat situations, there's research that police and fire and EMS and even dispatchers are dealing with PTSD, but that's now becoming self-diagnosed deal, and that's not, that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. In any case, those who are dealing with childhood traumas often deal with those through the, the remainder of their life to some extent or another. For example, when I was younger, I was molested by a, a neighbor boy, and it was a single event. The details are not relevant or appropriate, I guess, but I think that played a role in you know where I where I went in my life and the trajectory of, of how I traveled this path. And so, although I haven't thought about it for years, I guess uh, it comes and goes. But how much that's played into my own psyche and my perspective on life is is certainly a, a valuable piece of of who I am. And many people, unfortunately, are, are dealing with that. You know, it's called sexual assault now, not molestation, but it's still way too prevalent. Again, uh, another topic for another time. But if you look at your childhood, what, what, what do parents say? New parents or parents who are living in a world that they didn't necessarily grow up in. My wife and I find that it's very difficult to raise a child in today's day and age because they have instant access to information, uh, good, bad, and indifferent. And it's really difficult to manage, especially when you don't have a, a perspective to, uh, to, to work off of. You know, there's no role models. Our parents didn't teach us how to, how to manage the internet or video games or anything like that. Heck, you know, uh, I'll date myself, but Atari 2600 had just come out and my sister and I played all sorts of, of games, and but it was different. You know, we couldn't talk to other people online. We couldn't interact with, with others from across the world, and we didn't have the specter of some nasty 62-year-old man and wherever posing as a 13-year-old girl to entice somebody to do something they shouldn't. But anyway, these are portions of the perspectives that, that we talk about, and... You know, as parents, 
that one time, that first time that we say, man, I just said something I swore I would never, ever say because my mom or my dad said it all the time and I hated it. The minute that happens, I think you owe your parents a certain level of respect and you better get them on the damn phone and you better own up to the fact that you just said something you swore you would never say ever. And they will laugh at you, most likely. Um, at least my mom did, and, and she continually does. Even if she's not laughing out loud, she's certainly laughing uh, on the other end of the phone. I can, I can feel it or see it, and it's appropriate. But that's a perspective you don't have. You don't have that perspective as, a, as somebody who's not a parent, and then you transition into, into being a parent, and your perspective changes, of course. Now... One other side note, I've had a, a number of friends who have recently had children, and a joke that I always use with them is the fact that, you know, I, because I've had kids, I am an expert. And so if they need anything, uh, they are to call me, and I will give them the answer to whatever problem or issue they're facing. Because as a parent, I'm an expert with newborns and toddlers and, you know, all the way up to, to the early 20s. I've got that covered because I've dealt with it. So I'm an expert. And they look at me and they either laugh or throw something at me because the reality is that none of us are experts as parents. But isn't that what we provide new parents? We provide them a whole host of information and we tell them what they should do. We never ask them if they need help or we never just say, hey, this is this worked for me. You know, your baby's colicky. Go take them, you know, outside in the cold or maybe that's for croup. I can't remember. Anyway, I'm not a doctor, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So there's that. Anyway, it's just funny how we become, we think we become experts and we want to share that information and everybody wants to be in the know all of the time. And that's why, you know, the whole internet and, and face page and Insta Wooey and Twitter and whatnot are so prevalent is because people want to be the first ones to do X, Y, and Z. Whole different perspective. But back to sort of our childhoods, our lives are shaped and they're shaped by the perspectives that, that we, we are given. Now, I'll give you an example from my own life. I grew up, as I told you last time, I grew up in Connecticut, in New England, typically liberal. And I grew up in a very liberal home, what I believe now to be a very liberal home. And I won't get into the gory details necessarily, but there is one piece that I want to highlight. My parents forbade me to play with guns. No toy guns, no... I think Nerf guns were okay, just because at the time they weren't very realistic. Maybe they didn't have Nerf guns, I don't recall. But anti-gun was the, was the perspective, essentially. And growing up in New England um, and not in a very rural area, hunting was something that, that we didn't do. And so I came out west to go to school and started working with some, some guys who were hunters. And they kind of got me hooked into it. And of course, if you're a hunter, you have to know your, your tools and your equipment. And so guns became a, a part of, of my life. And I saw how differently they were viewed in the West and, and other parts of the country. And I don't want to turn off any of my liberal listeners, but I want you to hear me out for a minute. I want to be able to give you my perspective. And I, I, I know that we're going to differ on this, but I hope that 
we can at least have a reasonable dialogue in that the feedback and the sort of two-way street that I'm hoping to build here. I know you can't respond to me immediately, but you certainly can on um, the Standing Outside the Fire Facebook page or my personal page. That's part of what I hope to have happen here and follow-up can certainly occur. The gun issue is this. People view it either all or nothing. There are no people who are like, yeah, I'm okay with guns, but I wish they weren't around. I mean, maybe there are, but there's really no spectrum. It's almost black or white. You know, you either understand and appreciate the AR-15 or you think it's a weapon of mass destruction. And I think that if we were able to provide each other's perspectives and listen, for God's sake, listen, not hear people, but listen to them and understand that in Wyoming, we have the highest per capita gun ownership in the United States. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. If you don't like it, don't move here. If you're not comfortable walking through Walmart and seeing guys and gals with sidearms carrying openly in Walmart, which is completely legal, don't come here. I realize that sounds isolationist, but that's our world. That's our reality. I don't expect to go to New York City and be able to carry my sidearm open and have people accept that and not call the cops. That's the whole point, is those are different perspectives. And you can look at all the mass shootings, and you can look at, you know, Newtown was a a huge one for me. That was not far from where I grew up. Uh, It hit home. It was kids predominantly. Yes, there was an AR-15 used in that assault, but I own an AR-15, and I can justify the discrepancy. I know that AR does not stand for assault rifle. People are under a whole host of misinformation. And just because it's on Facebook doesn't mean it's fucking true. It's just not right. So do some research. You you see a perspective or hear a perspective. Look into it. Don't just assume. And I've been caught up in it. I forwarded or reposted stuff that wasn't true. And I had somebody call me out. And I'm glad they did. I'm glad they called me out because I was wrong. And then, and then when you're wrong, stop for a minute. Own it. And learn from it. Don't look around for somebody to blame. It's your own damn fault. You didn't do the research. You were a sheep. You blindly followed some other clown who believed that you know the sky was falling. It seems like we have more chicken littles around here than than people who will think critically. And do we teach critical thinking in in school? Uh, I wonder. So let's take a look at an example that I use for perspective uh, pretty frequently when I talk about it. Let's look at two young girls. Let's say they're, I don't know, 12 or 13. And girl A has a dog or had a dog. And the dog recently had to be put down because of health issues. Girl is devastated. She's never lost anything else in her life for the most part. And this was the most tragic event she had been through. And so her sadness ranks on some scale of, of 1 to 10 as being the highest that she's ever felt. And so we're somewhere in a, an 8 or a 9, uh, maybe even a 10, depending on the situation. And let's take the other girl, Girl B. Her mom and dad were just killed in a tragic car accident to no fault of their own. Her pain is probably a 10 or even an 11 if you can push it on the scale. 
But if those events for those two girls are the most tragic they have ever felt, is the pain they feel any different? Ponder that for a minute. Is the pain they feel any different on the, the levels and the scales? One's just a dog, and I'll argue that till I'm blue in the face later. The other one loses her parents in that moment of loss, not looking at the consequences later on down the road, in that moment of loss, finding out that you have lost your dog or if you have lost your parents. Does the pain rank any different for those two girls? But from the outside, I can tell you exactly what happens. One is suck it up, buttercup. It's just a dog. And the other one is doting and concern and care. A young girl just lost her parents. So we do that to people. And the reason I bring up the, the dog is not too long ago, we had to put our dog, our chocolate lab of 14 years down. He was, he was suffering badly. And boy, I'll tell you what, that devastated me. More so than, than other pups. And I, I don't know quite why, but my wife and I have been talking of late. We've had a ton of friends who've lost their puppies or had to put them down for various reasons. And that pain is, is palpable. It's, uh, it, it just tears at your heartstrings. That being said, does that compare to losing your parents? And this is a rhetorical question. I know where I stand on it. If those are the greatest losses that either one of those two girls have ever faced, the pain is not going to be any different. Even though from the outside perspective, it's very different. Just a dog and your parents. So I'd ask you to think about some of that. You know, there's a meme that goes around that talks about how, you know, everybody struggles. And everybody is facing a, a, a trial or tribulation or, you know, and, and be kind to everyone. We don't know what struggles they're going through. And that's, that's very true to a certain extent. For those of you that know me, know I wear my heart on my sleeve. And you know, <laughs> you know where I'm at. But not everybody's like that, right? Two more different perspectives. I know some guys and gals who will bottle that stuff up, bury it down deep. I know some who will hide it with booze and drugs, fight that pain and those demons from, from within their own living room. Uh, it's a dangerous place to be, y'all. It's a scary place, and I, I know that because I've been there, and it's miserable. So for those of you who hide and, and bury and self-medicate, make a change, huh? It's, uh, it's tough, but it's well worth it. And as I've said a 100,000 times, and you're probably tired of hearing me say it, if you need help, call me. We'll get you the help you need because it's, it's a dangerous place to be and the, the consequences are, are grave. Well, I would be remiss in not recognizing the song that I'm choosing to use clips from today. Uh, it's a song called The Show Goes On by Bruce Hornsby, and some of you may recognize it from the original Backdraft movie, which is where I first came across it. And apparently they are making a sequel of Backdraft. We'll see how that goes, but typically sequels, in my experience, are crap, other than the Vacation series until we get to Vegas Vacation, which was not my favorite, even though the damn store deal was kind of funny. Let's talk a little more about perspective. Here 
was another piece that I can't figure out about the human psyche or how the human mind works. But one thing that I've found is that throughout my life, music has been a huge, huge component. Uh, My parents were very musical, either playing music, listening to music. We listened to a lot of classical music, uh, much to my chagrin as a, a young man. But it was always very valuable. We were forced into piano lessons, which I hated, but now wish I had followed through with. Um, I played the saxophone, as I told you earlier. My sister played the flute and the bassoon, which, by the way, anyone who is learning how to play the bassoon, you need to get your own room outside of the house, perhaps a shed, and post signs that say, don't worry, there is not a dying moose in here. All due respect to my sister, it was a difficult time, period. Okay, sidebar. If you re-listen to that last little bit uh, where I said time period, but I said time period, I almost got into uh, voice to text there. So stop what you're doing, re-listen to that, have a chuckle at my expense, and we'll move on. So needless to say, music has always been a very important part of my life. Whether I'm listening to it or playing, I've started dabbling back in in my guitars again. And even though I'm not very good at it, I, I do enjoy it. Here's where the perspective piece comes in. Have you ever been driving down the road and for whatever reason, the song that comes on the radio or on Spotify or on your iTunes or whatever you're listening to uh, hits home? And for me, when they hit home, there's no rhyme or reason at all. Uh, I could be in a great mood and then the sad song comes on and I got tears streaming down my face. Or I'm in a horrible mood and that one song just kicks in and all of a sudden I'm feeling great. So that's cool and all, and that's an interesting perspective. But the one that gets me is that I can listen to the same song over and over again once I get that mode, and I can sort of keep that feeling going on. It's almost like a drug, honestly, for me. And uh, it just, you know, you just keep that feeling if you want to. And then a day later, I can hear that song, it'll come up in the queue, and I'm like, meh, not really interested in listening to it. And I just pass it over and try and find the one that, that uh, does that for me again, because I want that that feeling. It's It amazes me. I don't understand why it happens. I don't understand how it happens. And I cannot listen to that song for months or even years, uh, now that I have unlimited access to Spotify. And no, they don't sponsor the podcast. It's just that that's what I use. And I can search up anything. And I've heard songs that I haven't heard for 10, 12, 15, 20 years. And boy, uh, do they bring me back. You know, the the song by Kenny Chesney, I Go Back, is very similar. talks about that and lists those songs that I'm thinking do the same thing for him as as what I'm describing. And we all have those, I think, uh, to a greater or lesser degree. I just, I don't understand why that is. Why can I listen to it one day and have it mean so much and listen to it two days later and have it mean almost nothing? And I think that it would make more sense if... You know, I was in a good mood and the song put me in a good mood. Um, But it doesn't work that way for me. It works as though whatever mood that I'm in is irrelevant. It, that song elicits something from me that is powerful. And it doesn't happen every time, though. It's so, so in some senses, it's not like a drug in that I don't get the same effect every time. So it's kind of a crapshoot. And that's always interested me. And I'm sure there's some sort of psychological process behind it or, or something those brainiacs could figure out. But I, I, don't, I don't know. All I know is that I love it. 
And uh, that's the beauty of music for me. And so tying all this back in, the Bruce Hornsby song that I've sampled is one where the scene in, in Backdraft, if you've seen it, is it's where the guys are starting to train and they're running up the tower and, you know, busting their ass. And, you know, I've, I've been there. I've done that. And so that scene elicits something from me. And I think because the song was attached to the feelings of, you know, the burning in your calves as you're carrying weight up the hose tower or you're trying to drag the hose across the ground and it's heavy and you you, you know it's it's hard to pull and and then they go into scenes if I remember right of you know actually fighting fire and you know that that's all something that's very visceral to me and I think that music that song in particular really brings that out irony is what it is and the great whatever likes to mess with my head a little bit as I was listening and mixing uh, in between segments whenever the heater kicks on here at the house it's uh, hard to record so I have to wait for those moments but in any case uh, as I was listening to the song I was just referring to the show goes on a line came up and it's still without you the show goes on and immediately my head went to my friend Mark who died by suicide a number of years back. Mark was a mentor and father figure to me, and I miss him dearly, but and he's one of the the motivations for me to do the podcast, to do the one foot in the black page that I that I manage and and uh, the the group public safety and numbers that I'm working on. And those might sound like shameless plugs, but they're not. They're they're my way of giving back. And you likely hear the emotion in my voice. And while I can write down what I'm saying and edit it to where the emotion is not there, uh, I refuse to do that. And part of this, as I've told you in, in the previous episode, is this is me being real. And it's the ups and downs. And when I think of Mark, sometimes I, I'm sad. And so um, that song just did that for me or to me. And once again, I've listened to this song three or four or ten times over the last 24 hours as I've been recording this podcast. Why now? Why Mark? I haven't thought about Mark for a week or two, and yet he jumps in every now and again. And I'm thankful for that because he, along with a host of other people, have helped me gain the perspective that I have right now. Mark brought me up in the fire world. Uh, He was one of two people who really helped me cut my teeth, figure out how to get into the Wildland Fire arena. Mark was very, very well known. In fact, at his memorial service, there were probably no fewer than 2,500 people from all over the, the country and likely the world. Mark was very well loved. He has a daughter, a beautiful young woman who's very successful in her in her life now and he left behind a whole host of people who trusted and respected the hell out of him and that is the difficulty is that people don't understand what hides behind the mask nobody understands what goes on in the heads of those of us who battle mental illness depression is a is a real thing it's not just being sad 
it's it's dark it's scary and i remember the night after we found out about mark's suicide i was standing on the front porch saying goodbye to one of my friends and he was so so angry at mark and this was a another young man at the time who was even closer to mark than i but he was so mad and uh, we had an argument that night i understood mark's situation i had been closer than I care to admit. I knew Mark must have been battling some demons that were so dark and so strong that there's nothing that could pull him out. And my friend didn't understand that at the time. I don't know if he does today, but I told him that blame and anger, and yes, we all go through the the emotions of, of grief and loss and all of that. But in that time, in that moment, all I could do was explain my perspective and we follow full circle back around and the one thing I do want to share with you one more thing that I do want to share with you about Mark is he did say goodbye to us all in our own ways and his goodbye to me was Matt I'm really proud of how you get up every morning lace on your boots and keep fighting those were the last words he ever said to me and he knew the demons I had been battling and I guess I wish Mark could have got up that morning and laced on his boots and kept fighting but maybe his fight was uh, more than than he could bear I'm thankful that I had the time with him to learn and be mentored and be taught those are things that I will cherish and those have become a huge part of my perspective. So now it seems we are back to perspective and how we interact with others and what their perspective might be. And in interacting with others, we typically look at the surface, and we don't have a lot of info about what is going on beneath the surface. I have met some ex-cons and former junkies who are some of the nicest people you will ever meet. I have also met some devout church-going folk who would stab you in the back the very minute you turn around. As they say, it takes all kinds. If we make assumptions, we will undoubtedly be wrong. So here's my challenge to you, and to myself. Seek to understand, not to be understood. Listen, don't just hear. We all have perspectives, from our husbands and wives, to our kids, to our parents, to the neighbors, to the the cashier, to anybody you meet. And why is it that they have to fall into your perspective? Because most likely, they probably won't. Thank you again for sharing your time with me. I hope to have you back on the next episode of Standing Outside the Fire. Oh, the stars are...